as I came in this morning, uh, Andrew Lee said, it's a free topic today, we're free. And I said, well, the topic's surrender. <coughs> so lock the doors and don't let anyone out now. There's nowhere to go. I, I don't know at this time of year what you, um, how you feel. You know, we're at the end of January already. It's February this week. Um, some of you might be thinking, it's 332 days till Christmas. That's all. <laughs> not far away. Um, some of us might be feeling like it's still like the beginning of the year. You know, we're still at that beginning time. And there's lots of thoughts and pro- things we think about as at the beginning of a year. One thing, we, we, me and my wife were listening to a podcast and they were talking about uh, having a word for the year. And that's something I've never really done, that's never really thought about, but uh, having a word for the year and having a bit of a theme in your life, you know. This is a secular podcast, it wasn't biblical or anything, but it made me think. And, and, and as I thought about that, I've not, never done this before, but uh, Raph was sharing a message a few weeks ago uh, from uh, Luke 14 about the cost of discipleship and take up your cross was this sentence that stood out to me. And surrender was a word. And I was thinking at the time about, you know, a word for the year. And Surrender was a word that God laid on my heart. And so with the opportunity to have a an open week where I can speak on whatever might be, um, that's what I bring today, surrender. The word in the Greek in the in the New Testament, paradidom, paradidom, sorry, it's over a hundred times. A very common word used in the New Testament, and and it means literally to to give over into one's power or their use, to make a commitment. A very same meanings that we would use in our context today, I think, when we think of the word surrender. Uh, the imagery of surrender for, for me is uh, think about, about war. You know, people surrender in war. They give up. Criminals on the run, when the cops get them, usually before they pull the trigger, hopefully they give up. Surrender. Last night over dinner, we were talking about surrender and, uh, and, and the first thing Mackenzie thought of was our dog rolling over on his back. A surrender position. You know they trust you when they're on their back with their legs in the air. Pretty vulnerable. But I was drawn to these verses in Matthew 16 and while the, the word surrender is not used in these verses, I want us to consider what does it look like? What does surrender look like? And I'm drawn to the the actions that Jesus speaks about, the verbs that are used in these verses. And I want to touch on three of them this morning. 
And Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. The three words I want to take up, uh, look at today is to take, to take up the cross, to follow and to lose. Take up his cross. And I think Raph touched on this in his verses, but just quickly this morning, Jesus wasn't talking about a physical cross. But, but although we do recognise many of the disciples actually died on a cross. Um, a, a cross is, a, is actually very common throughout the world today as a symbol of faith and someone's belief when they hang a cross around their neck or tattooed on their arm or over their heart or something. And not, there's nothing wrong with those things. But this wasn't a reference to some sort of physical cross that we must take up. But the cross actually represents death and sacrifice. To take up the cross is to put to death. It's to sacrifice my desires and dreams and ambitions and agendas and direction. Sounds quite extreme, doesn't it? Can't we have desires and dreams, a family and holidays and houses? And I think absolutely we can. So I hope it makes a bit more sense if I take Jesus as an example. In the Garden of Gethsemane, about to be betrayed and arrested, the night before Jesus is murdered, he's praying. And Jesus' words were, take this cup from me, Father. The humanity of Jesus. And that's such a natural thing, like for, for, for humans, like we, in facing difficult circumstances. It's natural, isn't it, that we ask God, you know, this this pain, this physical pain I'm in, like, please, Lord. We've been praying for that this morning, hey? That's natural, it's normal. The, the emotional hurt that I'm experiencing, like, I just want that to be taken away. It's not wrong to have such desires and plans. But what I think we often miss, and I, and I say we because I, I'm just assuming you're as bad as me. What we often miss is the attitude. The thing that Jesus says next. Not my will, but yours be done. I, again, I don't think I'm alone when 
I consider the times that I've come to God with the direction in life and I'm really I'm just coming to God asking him to bless it. I think I've got this all figured out. That's where I'm headed. This is the way I'm going to go. Oh God, can you just make this happen? Can you put your rubber stamp on this? I've taken my desires and dreams and I've just prayed to God. I just need to know the how now. How, are you gonna, how can you make that happen? Because that's where I want to be. In Genesis 15, we read that story of, of Abraham. Incredible experience. Incredible experience with God. Abraham is so concerned about his inheritance, it's Eliza from Damascus who's going to get it all. And he makes a covenant with Abraham. Look at the stars. That's your descendants. That's how many they'll be. You can't even count them. And, uh, and so Sarah and Hagar, you might remember, Hagar is the servant. And Sarah says, well, I can't have kids, so take Hagar. That must be the how. That's how it's going to work. And Hagar bears a son, Ishmael. Hagar, as you're aware, is mistreated and runs away. Ends up being terrible circumstance from an amazing blessing and promise. Anyway, like 13 years later, 13 years later, Abraham, Abram and Sarah are waiting for this promise to come to fruition, waiting to see how God works. Oh, I don't know what you're doing in 2011, but can you think of something God was laying on your heart in 2011? Can you think of a, a way that God was leading you in 2011? Someone that you were praying for? Oh, is that still on your heart? How easy we give up. I'm thinking about even just a few years ago, but 13 years have passed. And God says to Abram, now you're 99. Sarah's like 90. I've got a plan. You'll bear a son. Abram laughs at God after all this time. Just use Ishmael. Bring your blessing through Ishmael. We've already got Ishmael. It's been 13 years. Even after the incredible experiences of God leading, of God directing, convicting, our experiences with God, they can be so quickly forgotten. And we're wondering, why, is, why isn't it working? Why aren't we there yet? 
the model of prayer that Jesus left, and we know it quite well, I'm sure, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, to recognise the authority and the power of God's name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I'm really challenged by that to think, what does my prayer life look like when it comes to the way Jesus told us to pray? How often do I forget to have an attitude of your will be done? Because quite often prayer for me hasn't looked like like that. You know, Father, in this circumstance, I want to see this, this and this happen. But completely forget to say, well, I need to accept that maybe healing isn't what is going to be true of this circumstance. I believe it can be. Maybe that emotional hurt and pain is just going to last longer. Oh, but we have to come to a place to say, Father, in the circumstance, may my trust in you deepen. May I walk with you even closer. To experience God's peace and leading and strength through the circumstances. To be able to overcome worry and fear and anger and anxiety and uncertainty. Because not my will but yours be done. Surrender. So take up your cross. And then Jesus goes on to say, follow, follow me. Not sure if you follow anyone. In our culture today, in especially, oh, really around the world, to follow someone, we usually associate that, well, I do anyway, with Facebook. We follow all sorts of people on Facebook and Twitter and or X, whatever it is, and all these other things, Instagram. I follow... I follow uh, SP10, Scott Pendlebury. Notice that he's been in a villa, $5,000 a night or something, villa with his family. But what I didn't get to see was the night that he was grumpy and snapped at his children. I mean, he's a perfect footballer, but he's not a perfect person. (laughs) We only get to see the very limited amount of what someone will allow you to see when you follow someone. But this is far, far from the meaning of following Jesus. To follow Jesus is to surrender. To give up my direction and to give up my purpose and to live 
and walk like Jesus did. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 to 24. It's amazing verses. And comes across this amazing thought and statement. After talking about the Gentiles in their, in their culture, in the, in the context of the Ephesus church, and then the useless way that they think, that they have lost all sensitivity and given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Is this Melbourne or Ephesus? I don't much has changed. But look at these verses. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. And don't miss these last words. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I mean, as I look around here, we're all of different shapes and sizes, different places of the globe, different ages. But if you have come and made a decision by faith in Jesus Christ and you've come into the kingdom, this is for you. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Incredible. We would spend an hour just dissecting that, just talking through that. I'm going to keep it to 50 more minutes. No, I'm not. Matthew 5, Jesus said those amazing words, let your light shine. Let your light shine. What's he talking about? Your your IQ? Let it shine so people know how smart you are. Let your possession shine, the diamonds on your ring, let them shine. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. When you believe by faith in Jesus as your saviour, the promise is that we receive God through the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus says, let your light shine, we want him to display the character and the nature of who Jesus is, who God is. Because now in this new life, with the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, I can now live a life which I could not live before. The way that I love and care for people, compassion and grace and mercy, all these wonderful 
characteristic traits of Christ are made available through the power of the Holy Spirit to be evident in my life. That is a wonderful truth. That's the statement of Ephesians 4. And Jesus says, let your light shine so that people will see your good works and not pat you on the back or say how good you are. But they would recognise and praise and glorify God. Created to be like God in righteousness and holiness is in no way about arrogance and greatness for me or you. It's about glorifying God. It's about being a light in the world. Surrendering my way to follow the way. The third one I want to mention this morning is to lose. I'll flick that over to lose your life. We we often associate losing with uh, negative consequences. Uh, Except maybe losing weight, that's not so negative. It's quite positive. Uh, Losing sport is seen as quite negative, isn't it? But no one likes to lose. I'm sure you don't like to lose basketball, Steve, when you're playing, wherever you're playing. It's a competitiveness in us. Have you ever lost your phone? Nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Rachel lost her phone a few weeks ago. We were scurrying around everywhere. I can say this story because she's out. I had no idea. It was, it was a nightmare. Even Kat was helping. She was looking for it in the chair. We went home and then we looked on this map thing. Oh, where's, where's my phone? Blah, blah, blah. There it is. Oh, it looks like it's still at church. Oh, back to church. It was in the car. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> Somehow left a signal here. It's a nightmare, Dick. Parking your car in one of the, the levels at the shops or in the MCG car park and there's everywhere looks the same. Um, now it's a bit easier, you know, with your keyless engine, you just keep walking around going like this, going, and you wait for the beep, beep, you're like, oh, there it is. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. As I think about losing in surrendering, It's actually a gain when you lose in surrendering. It's actually to gain. I mean, just the examples we've spoken about are in war. It, when one puts the white flag up to surrender, it, it's actually to preserve life. We want to gain, not dying. The same with a criminal on the run. It's to preserve life. It's to stop being on the run, stop living that way. And you might, you have to gain life, but you'll gain a prison cell probably. 
even as our dog rolls over on his back and surrenders in his vulnerability and trust in us. I know what he wants to gain, a big tummy rub. Right up the middle of this. Judson Van Deventer. You may have heard of him. Born in the mid-1800s in farming land, Michigan. Uh, People saw in him a a, a spiritual giftedness in his local church and encouraged him to to go into full-time ministry. And in hindsight, Justin said, uh, after many years, uh, I recognise I should have made that decision earlier, but I had such a desire for, for art and for the teaching of it that I pushed that down until five years passed. And at that time, he committed to the ministry. And amongst other things, he would go on to become a professor of hymnology at Florida Bible Institute. And in that time, he would mentor and become close to a a Bible college student uh, who credited him a lot with his early preaching days. That young fella turned out to be Billy Graham. And he wrote a... uh, Judson wrote a well-known hymn called I Surrender All. And Billy Graham actually used it quite a lot in his early ministries and trips around the world. We're going to sing that song in a moment and I'd ask the team just to come up and lead us in that now. Losing your life in the context of surrendering yourself to Jesus, for me is to say, Lord, I'm willing, I'm willing to lose, I'm willing to give up my agenda. I'm willing to and to lose my direction. I'm willing and I'm willing to give up and to lose the, the, my will and my desires in order that your will be done. I'm willing to lose in order that I'm following your plan, your direction. I'm willing to give it up in order to gain, to take up your cross, to follow Jesus and to lose your life in order to find the life God has for you. Thanks, team, for leading us in this song. I surrender all.